Hey, shout out to my holla at you. Hello, it's Shorty Time. Hi. Welcome. How are you? Uh, doing good. Great. Good. And um, so we're talking about... I'm fine. <laughs> you're doing... How, how are you? <laughs> good, good, good. We've, we've been a little serious with these shorties. I was having a moment of silly. I feel like we're, we're really good at balancing, out, balancing it out with our natural charm and rolling that out with important things to say about things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but... We are continuing a conversation surrounding the Israeli-Palestine conflict. We recorded all these at once, so it's about the near the end of June by the time you hear this specific episode, so hopefully nothing horrendous has happened since we started. But as I've stated in the previous shorties this month, that it's probably more likely that Western media will just kind of like ignore it more than anything. Unless something really bad happens, which let's hope that's not that's, the case. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't. Jesus. We're dealing with Israeli settlers from all over the world coming in, taking land that Palestinians have lived in, in the West Bank, in Gaza, Sheikh Jarrah, and other neighborhoods, and just saying, this is ours now, by decree of the Israeli Supreme Court, which is a right-wing government. Whenever bad things happen to Israel, the organization of Hamas, which is considered a terrorist group by Israel and the United States, will just fling some rockets at Israel, who are able to deflect the most of them with their iron dome, and then respond by destroying entire buildings and destroying entire families. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like the United States. The United States the exact same way, right? They're so interconnected. You can't even, even like, culturally think of modern Israel as... Uh, a Middle Eastern country, which it technically is, but culturally, it's every bit as Western as the Western powers that yeah, support it. Yeah, definitely. And you can kind of see that when you like see or talk to Israel Israelis or when they're interviewed on these subjects. It's very interesting. I mean, how many people died in 9-11, 2000? And we've got around, as far as that we know of, like a half a million died in response and dead in response in Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah. And folks, that number is way higher. It wouldn't surprise me if it clears a million easy. It, it has to, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, we don't even know exactly how much money we spent on that war. And yet, uh, little Jimmy down the street has to ration out his insulin. But we've always got money for Israel's bombs, don't we? Always. Now, in this one uh, is a short documentary by filmmaker Iris Saki. And it is called Natural Born Settlers. So, kind of a dumb title. Well, I get the title. Yeah, the title makes sense once you get into the documentary. Is, yeah, but at the same time, it's it's just like is, they're making a play off of Natural, Natural Born, Born Killers. Which, I guess the more I think about it, might be... A pro- anyway. And I think this came out around 2019. And this specific short has been packaged by New York Times, who wants to get that vice cred. This isn't a very vicey one, though. No, it's not. She's, she's a woman who has lived her life in Tel Aviv. And she decides that, you know, she's a filmmaker, and she decides that she wants to spend a summer in these settlements to try to understand 
what's what's going on there because she's never seen it she's never actually been there even though i believe isn't it only like three hours away from tel aviv or something she's gonna backpack in gaza for the summer the first one we talked about was uh like a very left-leaning documentary right and then the one we talked about last week was like ultra right orthodoxy who threw an old rule uh end up being way on the left or not left they're not left but they just kind of it's like a broken clock scenario right yeah, a broken clock they end up right on the same side. There's no interviews with Palestinians here. Iris Saki is going into uh, contested settlements. I mean, a lot of Israelis don't think it's contested. Mm-hmm. And is moving, has, has moved to the West Bank and is interviewing Israelis that are her age, meaning that they were born in the settlements like their dad or grandmother or grandfather probably took in, literally took a Palestinian's home. Yep. Or... Just ha- just built uh, a home like right n- on top of some Palestinian territories. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is ours now." And she's interviewing people that g- were born in that environment who are Israeli and grew up in there. Yes. And she's in the Tekoa neighborhood, which is a mix of religious and secular. And she kind of she describes the place she came from, Tel Aviv, as like the last liberal stronghold of Israel. And then we kind of see, like, basic liberal shit in the place that she goes to. It's interesting. So she's setting up a camera at a small cafe. It's like an artisan community, they say, at some point. Yeah, it's like you just went to mini Tel Aviv, but that's in a settlement, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's like the younger people have sort of formed it in that way as they've grown up. But, you know, a bougie bougie lib can, like, sniff out, uh, 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 like, a Whole Foods scene. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They can they can kind of instinctively find that shit, mm-hmm. no matter how far away they go from it. <laughs> but, you know, she's backpacking in the uh, West Bank. She rented an apartment. <laughs> she's living in a house. So she's setting up this camera at a small cafe, multiple cameras. People aren't really trying to vibe with her at first. And, of course, we should point out, that the person who made this is all over this documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is like, they, I, the camera is mostly on her, but it really does vibe like it's a lot more about her reactions than anything else. It, truly it is. I mean, she even says that at the beginning. She says, I want to go and understand more about this and where these like what, what these people are thinking. Sure, but she's only interviewing other Israelis. I know. Maybe she's got a, another one where she's talking well, to Palestinians. But. I mean, her whole point is, I want to talk to Israelis who have grown up in these settlements and see how they feel about these things. I mean, she's sort of, she's like super honed in on these people, which I agree with you, makes it extremely just one-sided. Yeah. And it doesn't, ha- it doesn't really go anywhere, but... She's trying to find depth in one side of something. And there are layers here, but it's not like... <laughs> Is, does she want them? Is is, does she, is she looking for like uh, Israeli white guilt? Is that what she's looking for? Maybe because it's almost this. She you know, there's this one guy who she ends up interviewing a couple people, and there's this one guy that she actually says is the one that kind of has become her friend while she's there. And he his dad was a farmer, and so he's like you know grown up on this farm, and he has um, they have Palestinian workers that come in every day and work on the farm. And so there's like oh, all these hundreds yeah, of Palestinians who come into this settlement every day to work their jobs mm, on this sound, land that, that was stolen familiar. from them. That sounds familiar. Oh, I know. <laughs> and But he, you know, they talk a whole lot. And I think part of it is she wants to know why, as you've grown up, haven't you realized that this is bad? Why do you still want to be here? I it, think that's part of it. Yeah. 
I don't know that she asked him that specifically, but she is trying to understand, like, why aren't you working to change this? Or why isn't there, why don't you see a problem with this? Mm. You know, and they all kind of come from a place of like, well, this is just how we have grown up. This is just where we are and how it is. It seems like most people she's talking to, because she asked them about their childhood and what it was like growing up in the settlements. But also she, um, everyone seems kind of matter of fact about it. Like not many people she's talking to are being like, fuck these Palestinians. They're, they're, everyone's being a little diplomatic, which is exactly what I would expect. Yeah. If you went into these areas and talked to these people. Like she talks to a woman named Dana, who's 37, in Yeovil, 31, who talk about how like their childhood was good, but there were scary parts of it because some shit can go down in these settlements. People get mad when their homes are taken. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. They might even do things that are violent. But folks, if someone's coming in and taking your land, you know, that's terrible. But boy golly, if you do anything violent to keep your home, well, that's just a step too far. Well, and this is where we got the story of the children are throwing a rock throwing rocks at a car. Akiva, 36, talks about her dad. Yeah, and her dad gets out of the car with an M16. and An fucking, M60. Oh, I thought it was an M16. M60, Jesus. This is a full-on war weapon, an M60. Doesn't shoot the people throwing the rocks, but shoots up like a building or a wall to yeah. scare them away. Basically to say, like, don't do what the fuck you're doing because I could kill you. He responds to children throwing rocks at their vehicle. By spraying the air with an M60. Mm. How are gun laws in Israel? Can Israelis just own guns? Obviously, Palestinians are restricted there. Otherwise, it might be a little hard to go into their homes and take their shit. But arm the underclass. That's my radical statement of this episode. Arm the underclasses. So yeah, like, like that. Her telling that story of her dad, I feel like just embodies the level of power that is not equal in one in whatsoever in this scenario. And of course, this this documentary particularly shows the evidence of that unequal power. Yeah. Because all these people are existing in something that used to be held by other people. Yeah. Maria, thirty five. He. She said she grew up constantly scared of being attacked because also they got their parents who are paranoid and it's like fuck go i mean you're israeli you can live anywhere in israel right just go to fucking tel aviv like but obviously someone in their family felt like it was their god-given right to take this land yeah i don't know where it falls in the timeline but just talking about the violence like one of the times when it really hit home for the filmmaker was when her neighbor's father got murdered and it was just literally a shooting was happening and he just got caught in it and she lost her father and I believe like her mother was injured or someone else was also injured and it was she's like hearing this woman like wailing and crying next door and just her talking about that happening like that just makes you think like every one of these people has experienced something like that at some point Mm -hmm. so you understand why they're scared but then it also begs the question of why are you not trying to change this or why are you still there this Maria lady she's talking to, she's probably the one person who's kind of very honest about her prejudices. Yeah. Where she... She's, and she's a school teacher. <laughs> yeah. She said she's had court orders for spitting on Arabs. And she admits that she doesn't think about Arabs and admits that she can be fascist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing for uh, a Jewish woman to admit. You might... 
get mad at Moria because, well, I'm against everything that she says. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. But Maria is not trying to be diplomatic in this scenario. Because regardless of whether she has the rhetoric you want to hear or the opposite that's disgusting, she's getting the same results as the ones that have softer rhetoric. And And I'm just explaining why people might get mad at those who might be perceived as like a moderate liberal type. Mm-hmm. It's all about the actions mm-hmm. because that's what people are looking at. So the other people she's talking to are going to be a little, definitely more, maybe literally more sympathetic. It doesn't matter because of in their position of privilege as Israeli citizens who can come into these settlements, it doesn't matter if you're as openly racist as Maria or as uh, diplomatic as Asaf. You're, you're going to get what you want regardless because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Asaf, he, uh, he's 43, uh, and he talks about how he tries to be conscious about the issues that are going on. And he, and he points out how, uh, he, how he's pointed out to his kids that he's going to checkpoints and he's seeing mm-hmm. 200 Palestinian laborers working on something. While I knew Palestinians come in and out of the settlements every day to work, building more of the buildings that they will never be allowed to live in, Seeing them line up to enter settlements that represent their oppression with my own eyes was very unsettling. I wonder if Israeli liberals ever say things like, you know, those uh, Palestinians, they work way harder than us Israelis. Which is a rhetoric that is used here for Mexican immigrant workers and migrant workers who come from Mexico and go back to work. Mm. And it used to be some rhetoric that I might have spat at some point, thinking that I'm being so, like, kind and generous to being so like but the but the reality of it is it's not like these positions that immigrant workers are being underpaid they have to work all the time to make any money to how that you would pay like a natural born american citizen yeah so this narrative of like well they work harder than the than the than the other americans that's why they have that job yeah and what they're doing is a skill that deserves to be respected but the thing is, but this idea that like that like Americans just stop showing up to these labor jobs is just not true. They were fired, laid off, and moved around, and to the point where culturally now we have a a, a people like in these societies that are cheap labor, and their status uh, to be in this country is very much dependent on like often the people who control their jobs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this corporatist narrative. To make it about, like, if you criticize this process, like, oh, are you racist against uh, the Mexican mi- migrants or something? And, you know, Republicans often very much are racist against these migrants. But that's, mm-hmm. but it's swayed into this argument is where, so, but even, like, liberals can kind of utilize American exceptionalism in their narrative being like, well, they're just up here living the American dream. And it's like, they're not a part of your society. Right. They have been deemed as underpaid workers. They are literally segregated by our corporate system. And, are, and because in my opinion, it's not even to say that, that they shouldn't be in this country. I think if you make that, they should make as much money mm-hmm. as people who are, um, you know, American citizens in this country. They should be unionized the same way and negotiate their pay the same way uh, other people. And you had guys like Cesar Chavez back in the day who used to work for that kind of shit. I don't know 
know. I think sometimes it's like we accept the workers are in that position because they are considered lesser by society. Mm-hmm. And when we sit there and say shit like, oh, well, they at least work harder, like, yeah. that feeds into a corporatist narrative. Well, and, and his point is that, like, he, he tries to keep human rights at the forefront in his family and as a conversation. But when his child sees these laborers day after day after day, they're going to become numb to it. And that's kind of his fear, mm-hmm. is that he doesn't want them to become numb to it. But what other response is there? Inevitab- because you just get used to it. Inevitably, you become numb to it. And yeah. I, and I find that, like, um, you know, sometimes people just want to become numb to it. They don't want to hear about these issues that maybe they've constantly overlooked. And it can be hard to kind of face the realities of bullshit every day. But mm-hmm. I think we owe it to people. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm a white dude, right? I live in a society that in its worst points that I was able to benefit from because of my race and my gender. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's my responsibility to at least point out the contradictions of all sides and to, you know, make sure you look at other people who are not in a privileged position because we are living in a system and it doesn't seem like Israel is that much different. That is a system of, uh, of, of a, of a specific racial supremacy Mm -hmm. against someone else because, I mean, Palestinians are getting pushed out because they're Palestinians. And they're getting pushed out because the people who are pushing them are Israeli. Mm-hmm. And that, that's ethnic. That's an, that's an eth- ethnically violent scenario. Yes. And so you can understand why Black Lives Matter kind of relates to the Palestinian cause. So we talked to Michal, who's 35. She's an interesting woman. She was stabbed by a Palestinian when she was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. And she's sitting there holding her baby. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I talk about her? She really was the most interesting to me because, you know, she's sitting there, she's holding this very small child, and, yeah, she got stabbed when, when she was four months pregnant by a Palestinian young man, mm-hmm. she said, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it happened, she actually, obviously she was fine, the baby was fine. She did not hold any resentment toward the young man that stabbed her. And this is a woman who describes herself as religious, I should say. Yes, she does. She does. Because to her, it kind of, she said it kind of opened her eyes to this bigger problem. She recognized that this young man attacked her when she was working in this thrift store because he felt he had no other choices. And so she felt for him in that moment and so she wasn't outraged. People who were like her, these Israelites there, didn't understand why she wasn't mad at them. But And then they're saying terrible things to her, like threatening her, like, well, if you're not mad, then he should have just finished the job, or you should just <laughs> be one of them, like you're just the same. And she's getting all this hate from these people who should be... For being a forgiving person. Yeah, for being a forgiving person. These people who should be like her, quote unquote, right? Or, you know who she's grown up around are, are, are being mean to her because of this. And yet people from like the Palestinians came to her, like a couple groups of people at different times to sit with her and like pray with her. And like, they were basically saying like, we're sorry that this happened to you and we want you to be okay. And she said it was one of the most touching things that ever happened because, and then, and to her, so into her, this whole experience actually like opened her eyes to the fact that, there's no reason for this conflict that people just need to come together on a personal level, mm. which is honestly like what's totally not happening. Like that's 
what no one is doing. Yeah. She seems to be like the only person who talked to her and then, you know, Muhammad and the gentleman from that yeah, from from our shorty earlier in the in the month, but we've seen very few and far between examples of people who've actually been able to look at someone across the line and go, "Oh, you're also a person." Yeah, you know. And one of the other guys talks about this too. the The guy who's her friend, I can't think of his name, the farmer's son. He actually says at one point that you know he's gotten to know Palestinians through the years from working on his father's farm, and that he can recognize that it's not just a faceless group of people. Mm-hmm. And yet he hasn't, he isn't doing anything about it. Yes. This is, you know, I got to hand it to Iris because I kind of like, yeah, I kind of like busted her beans a little bit for being like uh, your basic bougie, feckless lib. But she called her friend to task in an appropriate way here because he he had stated basically like he, because most people she's talking to are about, are honest about the negative effects of the settlements. Yeah. But her, but she, but her friend that she's made here, this dude that wears the ball cap, he says something at some point that was like, the reality is if this was way back then and you were in our position, mm-hmm. you would do the same thing. And she said, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. And and to be fair, she didn't. I mean, she's from Tel Aviv. She did not settle the fucking, because people are doing that now. Because right? she could have moved. She could have chosen to move there. Of course. So it's like that position is not too far off. And then she, she kind of explains to her friend that like, even in your, even in your um, your sympathy and your understanding of the negative effects of these settlements, the reality is even if even in kindness you are still looking down on these Palestinians. Yeah. And he kind of couldn't. He kind of admitted to that. He's like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, no Palestinians were interviewed in the making of this uh, short document. No. And Some were filmed from afar. Yeah, from far away. You don't want to get too close, I guess. Jesus. So, that was Natural Born Settlers by Iris Zaki, which I believe came out around 2019. Now, Angela, boy, it's been a long month mm-hmm. of talking, to, spending our Fridays talking about the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. You know, what's funny is that uh, with Hamas... Uh, that the Israeli government actually kind of supported and fu- and pushed Hamas in the 80s because yeah. the original bad guys were the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO. Not unlike when the U when the Russia invaded Afghanistan and the United States funded Al Qaeda to fight back against the Russians, and then you cut to 20 years later and Al Qaeda are flying planes into the World Trade Center killing 2,000 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's kind of funny how, like, the thing you fed comes back to bite you, doesn't it? Gosh. When will we ever learn that fucking lesson? Jesus. Jesus. Fucking Christ. Never. Angela. Yes. We we will rate short documentaries and because they're shorter than regular size documentaries in Baby Hurt Socks. I'll give it one through three Baby Hurt Socks. You'll give it one through three Baby Hurt Socks. Mm-hmm, Combined mm-hmm. for best out of six Baby Hurt Socks. Now, we saw some good, there's some good shorties this month. This one was definitely the worst. Yeah. Of the three Palestinian or Israeli themed ones. There's a lot of director in their own world kind of thing. I don't... I felt like we did get some interesting and important conversations yes. in this one. Yes. But it was definitely like 
There's there was nothing brave about this one whatsoever. This could have been ten minutes long. It could. What? How long was it? I can't even remember. Ten minutes sounds about right. I thought it was like twenty. Oh, maybe. Anyway, I'm just saying you could have trimmed. You could have trimmed this up. We didn't need images of the director alone at the tables waiting for someone to talk to her. That's true. That's really not that important. And like the <laughs> the way she played, I, I mean, we could go visit Israel and probably go to these areas. I mean, I it, it, I felt like there was some kind of weird build up to um to this idea of her like oh, I'm getting out of my comfort zone and I'm going to this settlement and i'm and gonna sit at a cafe sit at a cafe and talk to people my age about their experiences yeah yeah it's like oh, okay um yeah i mean this place is you know maybe it's a little more dangerous than tel aviv but it's still like jewish ran so it's not like you're not going to be anywhere that won't accept you right that much but um but the conversations were important i like the lady the very forgiving lady yes and, um, you know, and that lady who admitted to her fascistic tendencies. Yeah, people were honest. Yeah, and that was for good. The most part. It seemed, seemed like people were being honest or, and maybe even came to some revelations. Yeah, but probably maybe, not. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not much changes in these people other than what we already got. But as far as like, you know, the, the last two that we dis- shorties that we discussed, I felt like I really learned something. And this one, like, I got some ideas, but I didn't feel like I really learned as much as the others. No. So I'm going to give this one a, a 1.25. Okay. Okay. There, because there's a, a little too much of the director. Like, I think you're right. This could have been cut down. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think you'd have to correlate the director's presence and how she interacted with the last guy. You know, yeah. her friend. I guess that's kind of important. But also, you could also fill that in with a narrative as well. Mm-hmm. This is something that, like, where it was a little too much about the director when, when it was all said and done, those parts were not that necessarily. Just the voice of these uh, uh, children of Israeli settlers is really just kind of all we needed. And maybe a little more Palestinian voices. I'm going to give it a 1.5. Okay. I agree with with everything that you said. I just to me, one point five is it was just it was average. Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy some of it. I didn't enjoy other parts. I'm not going to repeat everything you just said, but basically same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like hearing what those people thought about it. I did like that aspect a lot. So yeah, one point five. So that brings it to two point seven five, just over no, just under halfway yeah. there. So. I actually think that's appropriate. I do too. It's like a C minus. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a D. Hmm. Still fine. Could be much worse, though we didn't rate it as high as a, a, a dude who complains about speeders going down. His... I didn't get a choice in that one. Well, you're right. I had to make an executive decision and give Max Baby Hurt Socks to Neighbors from Hell Staley Road, which you can hear that in our first, uh, the first Friday of this month. <laughs> God. All right, folks, and um, yeah, well, we didn't solve this crisis. Uh, what can truly? But um, I know where my uh, where my support goes to. It's those with less power, and uh, in this case, we got to stand up for the the Palestinian people, the innocent Palestinian people who are losing their homes and are getting bombed and destroyed, and using with Israeli using uh, Hamas as an excuse. 
uh, of course, there are tons of civilian deaths when there's when these war powers go on, and uh, you know we don't want anyone to die. That's no. a civilian, but um, a thousand deaths is worse than twenty. You don't like either, but a thousand. I mean, it's definitely like, like would you rather have a thousand dollars or ten dollars? Right? I mean, there you can. There, there is a ratio it's here. It's very easy to N- see. Number numbers matter. Numbers yeah, matter. Numbers matter. Especially if you're dealing with a uh, a government court system that is designed to specifically cater to a specific religious ethnicity. Uh, if you're any other ethnicity, uh, you might that naturally deserve to live there, uh, you might have a very hard time, obviously. All right? Keep on talking. Thank you for listening to the Documenteers podcast. I am a sex robot. If you want to support the show, we recommend listening, subscribing, and recommending this show to people that you feel like can handle the shit we spitting. Cool people, like Juggalos. A great way to help the show is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Any written review at 5 stars will be read on the show and it can pretty much be anything but hate speech. You can simply write butthole 37 times in a row with a 5 star rating and that would be perfectly acceptable and greatly appreciated. Contact us through our Documenteers Instagram or email us at Documenteerspodcast at gmail.com Thank you for listening. I am a sex robot. Keep on docking. You know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But you It's you're... easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. Yeah, you are helping. stealing my house. This entire country was established through destroying Palestinian villages and um, displacing Palestinian refugees. And now um, this policy of colonial expansion has replaced an artillery with um, a judicial system that is inherently colonial, inherently uh, asymmetrical and biased towards Israeli Jews.